This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. They expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing. I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. Welcome to the Oak Road Hatter Podcast. I'm Billy Mully, joined today by Jamie Castle, Kieran Robertson, and Stephen Day after Luton Town's first ever Premier League fixture. Before one defeat to Brighton Hope Albion, but as I'm sure we'll allude to, there's plenty of positives to take, a lot of lessons, and generally a lot to talk about transport, which is um, not how I envision this, this first pod of the season to go, but that's. Uh, that's the state of affairs going into today. Jamie Castle, how are you getting on today? Yeah, good. I was, I was starting to get, I was starting to get scared that we might miss pod recording because of the, the, the train cancellations. But no, we, we got there in the end. Um, yeah, a slight farce on Saturday evening. But no, other than that, Premier League football. It was nice to be at my first Premier League game watching the Hatters. Um, obviously, not the result we were after, but as you said, lots to take from it and, and to build on. And Kieran, somehow you were the first person home, actually by, by Stephen driving. But in terms of the train lot, you were the first person home, and I don't know, I don't know how you managed that. Um, to be fair, it was quite funny because I was sat outside the station. I think it might have been Cam actually. He was like, "Where are you going back to? Like Bedford, Flitwick?" And I was like, "Swindon." And he was like, "What?" <laughs> like he, it was like one of those things where I was like. I feel like I've told you that before, but anyway, um, my journey was a strong three hours and you can imagine my missus face when I said, I'll be home at half past nine and didn't get on a train until quarter past eight um, with a three hour journey ahead of me. So she was thrilled, as you can imagine. Um, and to be fair, it was actually a good crack because the first half of it, I was sat down with Ben, um, also known as Luton Analytics on Twitter. So I had a nice catch up, had a nice chat about all things Oak Road, all things the game and all that stuff. Um I think I was the first one home purely because I decided to persevere and just stand outside the station after a while. Just got bloody bored, had food, had a beer, and just thought, why not? And Stephen, you probably were the most sensible one. You drove. Fair play to you. How have you been doing? Yeah, not too bad. Happy to be back on. And um, yeah, obviously, I... I've been to well, obviously I've been to Brighton a few times, and trains have always been bad. So I was like, I'm just going to drive it because if anything goes wrong on a day where the trains are already messed up, they're going to get messed up more. And I'm glad that I did, and um, and I was happy and home by what about half eight. I was I was living the dream. 
Can I the raise sober. a question for the group as well? Do any of us know what a Falmer is now? <laughs> a lovely football stadium in the middle of absolutely bloody nowhere is what a Falmer is. Like, I saw a Brighton fan sort of say, oh, yeah, but without the train strikes and without all the train problems that the infrastructure and the logistics would have been fine. I was like, no, nothing about any of that screamed a logistical dream. If anything, it just looked like a nightmare and was just made worse because of everything that was going on with the trains. Like, Is that why it's free on a match day? Because it's horrendous. (laughs) More than likely, just to sweeten the blow, I guess. They thought they'd save themselves from all the um, the labour pay claims that happen at, at, at every match day. So they just thought, now I could make it free anyway. So there's n- nothing to actually claim back. <laughs> TL Rail got bored with all that. They were like, we don't need 100 emails every match day, Ian. Just let it be free. <laughs> Off the transport and let's talk football because Luton Town, of course, played their first ever Premier League game. A 4-1 defeat to Brighton. 1-0 at half-time. 2-0. 2-1 and, and for a little bit of time we were very optimistic that, that we could have actually got something out of the game but but as we've seen individual errors and slight naivety at times um, of course there's a lot of positives as, as we've already alluded to but there was certainly difficult times and that's something we're going to have to get used to, to facing this season but all in all we'll go into a bit more detail but there there are lessons to be learned but Good memories that were made, good signs of intent um, from from Luton, both in and out of possession. We'll start by going into our new feature on Twitter, which is two good and two bad, two good points from the game, two aspects that we can class as good and two that were not so good. Uh, We've got loads of different ones here. We'll go first for LTFC Talk, who said Kabore and Giles looked threatening going forward. And the second good aspect from him was stayed in the game until their third, which I think we, we can all agree with. Um, in terms of his two negatives, we looked very shaky defensively. Bell and Lockyer caught out at times. And then the last negative was Chung struggled going backwards, uh, caught in transition too often. I'll, I'll come to you first, Jamie, because I think this LTFC talk comment is something that his answer's been mirrored and, and basically been relayed by other accounts. Kabore and Giles did look threatening um, on their counter-attack, and I thought there was a stat posted out there. Um, I don't quite remember what it was exactly, but in terms of touches in the, uh, in the final third and touches in the penalty box, we actually, we actually scored quite highly on that compared to some of the relegation teams last season. So I guess in that respect, that sort of counter-attacking element can be seen as a positive. Yeah, I mean, I think Kabore in particular was was excellent. Um, obviously, at the games, I didn't hear, but I think some of the Brighton commentators from the people that are watching at home said that he was one of the first wing-backs that have been able to contain Matoma from a pace perspective um which was a, a massive positive Matoma was up there in terms of the the, the wide attackers in the, in this league and has, has been linked to a, a big move elsewhere so i think that was a positive there's a there's some clips of some spider-man type tackles it almost it seems like what one what one made his name for at crystal palace those sort of sort of defensive recoveries that that, that he made is i think could always show glimpses of that um, on the other side, Ryan Giles. I'm not. I wasn't as big on Ryan Giles as others were, were after the game. I thought, in terms of his deliveries, were, were fantastic. But I think maybe it was a bit of a mental thing where I'm used to Alfie Doughty sort of driving to the byline. There wasn't as as many runs from deep that as we've come used to with with Doughty. Um, he's he was a bit more like a James Bree type fullback on or wing back on the other side where he. His his main threat is his deliveries and and his passing ability rather than his sort of running ability. Um, but still, for a, a a Premier League debut away at a very very good side in Brighton, um, obviously we banned the phrase "it's going to be a tough game," and but it, it absolutely was that. Um, we knew it would be. Um, yeah, I mean we by and large contain them. I think at times we, we, we rode our luck and obviously on, on the score from a scoreline perspective we, we, we were in it until the eighth minute. Um 
but yeah, it probably could have been three or four before. But we, we're going to have to ride a lot this season. Um, and it's the, the best sides in this league, we, we, we are going to have to. Um, but yeah, I mean, there certainly were positives, and I think the, the, the wing backs were, were up there in terms of the positives. Going on to Lewis Jones, a writer here at Oak Road Hatter, his two good aspects of the game were Kaminsky and Morris. And, and coming to you, Kieran, Thomas Kaminsky might have conceded four goals in his first competitive start for, for Luton, but we can't really read into that too much. Brighton, as they proved, they were relentless in the way they attacked and, and you know, Kaminsky made some very good saves. I think his kicking was consistent. I think there was a few ones that went slightly wayward, but but for the most part, his kicking was good. He's only going to grow into to becoming a Luton player and, and only develop through that. In my head, he had a very good had a very good start. And, and on the other side of things, Morris gets on the score sheet. He was difficult to handle against Premier League defenders. I guess those two can be classed as positives as well. Yeah, of course. And I think to sort of follow on your Kaminsky point, and it's the same story of any goalkeeper that comes into a new team. It's just about assigning yourself within that team and building that relationship with your defenders, right? There's five players ahead of him who he needs to be able to communicate with very well, whether that's when he comes to collect the ball, whether that's just short distribution, long distribution. They're just little things, like little tweaks that over time are just going to get better and better. Um, shot stopping, he was unreal. And it's weird to say that after a keeper's conceded four goals. Um, but there was so many chances. Like It's easy to say it now, but they could have had eight or nine. And on another day... I don't think Horvath saves half of them, I'm being honest. Um, and that's a good thing, because whilst Saturday was 4-1, against another team, that game ends 0-0, or it ends 1-0. And there's going to be a case of that this season, where we're going to get peppered like we have, but we're going to come out the winning end. And at full time, we're going to go, thank God for Thomas Kaminsky. Um, but as for Morris, happy that he's got our first ever Premier League goal. I feel like it was just after the season he had last year. He was the one that was lively. I think going forward, it's hard to base it off of one game. I would love to see him and Jacob Brown as a partnership a little bit more often, just off the glimpses we've seen. And I'm sure we're going to get on to Jacob Brown later in the vid. I'm sure we're going to get on to Obene as well. Um, but for me, Eli was a bit lost. And that's it's easy for me to say after one game, so I don't want to make any harsh judgments. But based off of what we saw on Saturday, Morris going forwards, He's the one, and I think we've said that before. If either one of them were going to get dropped, it's it's not looking like Carlton. And finishing off Lewis's point here, his two bad elements were naivety and not being as solid, and I assume that means not as solid as what we've seen Luton be in the Championship. Um, and I guess that, that comes with time, Stephen. That comes with... Settling in the Premier League, establishing ourselves after a few games, it's not going to be a change overnight, adjusting to the the world's best division. It's going to be a few weeks before we see the very best of Luton again. Um, but there are positives, there are glimpses of what is to come. Yeah, and I think as Giles said in his um, pre, uh, post-match presser, that it's, um, it's a learning curve. It was a complete learning curve and the you know, the next few or next few games, next um five games really are all gonna be learning curves just how to deal with how to deal with the opposition in this league because it's it's so much quicker than the championship and it's gonna be horrendous against better teams and Brighton are a really good team. They're they're in Europe now. So um yeah, we've got to learn quickly. But there was a lot of positives and um it was it was disappointing to see the defence um as you know, as leaky as it was, like in the last uh, ten minutes. But um, as we said, we were in it until that point, really, until the third goal. And it was just one of those ones where it's so easily avoidable if if Pelly had just gotten rid of it or just put it out for a corner or something, rather than trying to do and um, I guess do the the cheeky thing and um, just. But he's going to learn from it, as, as as I said, it's a learning curve, and um, it's. Hopefully, we're going to be better with that sort of thing going forward. Hopefully, we're going to be better um, defensively because we, we, well, we're going to have to be if we want to survive. I don't remember ever being as positive after a 4-1 defeat. Um, 
But I think that was just the occasion. It was mm. being a Premier League club. It was more of a celebration of, of what we've achieved, I think. And whilst there were positive glimpses, I think every Luton fan in attendance was just happy to be there, happy to hear the Premier League music, happy to see the Premier League advertising. Um, yeah, everything about the occasion was, was top draw. Going on to editor Mark, he is two positives. Kaminsky, solid and the most trust I've had in one of our keepers since Mark Tyler. Uh, of course, we, we've had difficulties in the goalkeeping department for, for a fair few years. Kaminsky certainly on his way to, to proving himself. And hopefully, after a few games, as we've just mentioned, he can show his best form of himself. Um, and also, Kabore and Chong are going to cause lesser teams a massive problem. So, again, very, very similar, these answers. And I think that that speaks volumes about how the, the Luton fan base saw this one. Going on to his two negatives. Naivety cost us, especially in the final 20 minutes when legs were tired and positioning and reaction times during turnover left us chasing, which again, uh, something that, that somebody else alluded to in there. It was without going over, um, we would probably say the same things um, going into our own Brighton, pre uh, Brighton review. Sorry. Um, we'll, we'll go on to the game with a sort of a individual basis. So that there was, I, I think we started well. I think we pressed well. Um, I think we harried them into making a couple of mistakes. Matoma took a while to get settled in, and I think Kabore had the better of that battle in the first half. Solly March, I think, is an incredible player, and, and in my opinion, last season he was even more impactful than than um, Matoma. So I think Giles doing a good enough job on him was. Um, Somewhat of a surprise because what we've heard about Giles is that defensively speaking, there, there could be a couple of issues, but, but offensively, that's where he really shines. So from a defensive standpoint, I was impressed with what Giles was able to do. And I think between him and Bell, they, they sort of nullified March, bar the goal. Um, Matoma had a little bit more joy in my eyes because he navigated that space in between Kabore and Mads Anderson quite well. Um, just looking at that first half, Stephen, in a little bit more detail, were you impressed? We, we've sort of spoken there about how Brighton caused us threats, but we also, offensively speaking, we, we got into some dangerous positions. We broke with pace. Did it look like we were still a championship team playing a Premier League team in that first half? Or do you think that we, we sort of held our own against very, very capable opposition? Very much held our own, but at the same time, like you could say that you could tell who was the promoted side and who was the side that had just got into Europe. And but at half time, I was sat there thinking, like, you know, we've got a good chance of getting a result here. And there was we weren't out of it. We weren't we weren't getting over overpowered. There was obviously the little, um, you know, naive mistakes, naive um, bits here and there. But going forward, we. We were good, and I think on another day, maybe you know, once Morris has had a, a couple of appearances in the Premier League, he might have put more of those chances away, and we might have gone into half time either one one, two one up, even. And I think that's you know, it's almost incredible that we can sit here and say this because it, you know, we have just come up. Um, obviously, there is that element of you know, the the momentum of have us just having been promoted um, and the excitement of the occasion and all that. So there was going to be a little bit more of a boost for the players. But um, I think we we pretty much matched them in the first half. And I was really, really pleased with the performance. And it's, you know, if that's the sort of performance we can carry on throughout the season, um, I don't think we're going to have too much to worry about. Yeah, I mean, I think on that, like in the first half in, in particular, I, I, bar the, the Jao Pedro absolute sitter that he missed uh, in the first sort of five ten minutes, he didn't like the, the, they didn't really carve us open. I mean, I think that their goal came from a fantastic cross from Matoma, and you probably should say that I think Bell lost was it uh, Gross or March for the header. Um, so I mean, I think I think if you're heading into the season based on our team last season. 
if there's a question mark over defence or attack, it, it, it would be the attack. Because last year, for me, we got promoted based on how good we were defensively rather than going forwards. I think we, okay, we scored good goals and good goals last season. We scored at the right times and, and we won games by fine margins rather than blowing teams away. Like Borough did it when they were at the best and like Burnley did. So I guess to go into Brighton the first half and, okay, defensively, maybe at times a little bit suspect, but we did cause Brighton some some issues on the counter in particular. Um, Kaborwe and Chong found found a lot a lot of space down that right in behind Estupinian and I think was it Van Heck on on the left of of the two, so found found a, a lot of joy behind them. Um, so that that was my big question mark going into going into Saturday was could we create good quality chances against Brighton and I think we did. And defensively, um, yeah, I mean, Matoma did cause some issues down that left-hand side. But if you if you think about that, that triangle of players on that right-hand side, you had new signing Mads Anderson at right centre-back, new signing Isikabori at right, at right wing-back, and new signing Tave Chong at sort of right centre-mid. So you had your natural little triangle on the right. You had three players that were new signings, albeit... Uh, Will be better than what than what than what we have had previously. Tactically, they're still getting used to the way Edwards wants to wants to defend in terms of shape, when to press, when not to press, when to set off, uh, what, what what players to follow, man mark. It's li- li- little details like that. Where obviously you work so hard on it, but it takes more than just a preseason to get it down to sort of and uh, and nailed. So uh, I'm confident that give it give it a few months if, if if we play that game again then I think we we come out of it with a result um so I think yeah I think if, if, if you think about it in in sort of more detail in terms of personnel and, and, and tactics I think uh the game plan was spot on um I just think the players just just need some time just to get used to each other yeah and it could take a while um I think there's been a lot of pundits recently speaking about how long it took them to adjust to the Premier League. And, and some of them were saying up to sort of six, seven games, which, you know, the Premier League is a very long season, 38 games across a year. There is plenty of time to improve. And, and I guess this two-week period will, will be used very effectively. Um, of course, we'll be preparing for Chelsea now, but we've got the, the fixture against Burnley postponed. So that gives Rob Edwards a real good period of time to, to implement his tactics on a more deeper level, get more signings in, get them up to speed. And, and I think that's only going to be a positive. I think it's good to have a game like Brighton very early on, if we would have played someone like Sheffield United and, and it could have been a game that lacked quality, given both teams adjusting to the Premier League and, and making a fair few signings. Same with, with any team that you sort of expect to be down near the bottom. But, but ultimately... It's a lot learned, and I know we've used that phrase a lot. There has been a lot learned, plenty of positives, and and whilst we did lose four one, um, I left with sort of my head held high. I think we're going to be competitive, and I think we're more than capable of, of you know, going to play these bigger sides, the, these teams that play quality football, and showing our resilience and, and break on the counter. I'm looking forward to when it all hmm. kind of clicks when we're fully settled, every player knows their, their role to near enough perfection and, and we can start really testing ourselves and, and probably be that little bit braver on the ball. Yeah, I, I, think, on, I think for me, in my head, I've got the end of September in, in, in my mind is when I'm really going to start thinking, I guess, big picture in terms of the season because it's in September after Chelsea, you've got... West Ham and Wolves at home and then Fulham and Everton away. So you've got those four games in, in succession after, after Chelsea away. And that's the four games where, you, where you, you'll really see where we are in the league in terms of are we going to be in a right battle this season to, to avoid the drop or are we actually going to be a bit bit more comfortable than, than we might think we are going to be. If we can come out of those four games with, with a good good tally, be it two wins and a draw, three wins, etc., then I, then I think that would be a... A good sign because you've got those four. You, you'd have had two tough games, Brighton and Chelsea away to open up. Where, let's be honest, if we were all betting men, we, we, we would have put a lot of money on zero points from those first two games. Um, so it's really the sort of the following four where we need to think about it in sort of more detail in terms of how we're coping and, and adapting to the league. 
like they did last season, you would expect Brighton to dish out some severe mm. hammerings this season mm. to, to lesser teams. Um, the, the way they play football, they're relentless in the way they attack. They're not happy with just a, a one or two goal lead. They will beat teams by a bigger scoreline than they than they beat us. I think that's also quite important to consider. We'll go on to Mads Anderson because he's obviously coming. Um, he's learning the position. He's learning a sort of new tactical demand from from um, from the way we play. Basically, what did you make of Anderson's performance, Kieran? Um, in my head, he was defensively. He, he really impressed me in terms of his duels, in terms of his positioning for the most part. Um, I do, in the back of my mind, think he's better suited to the, the central position of the back three. I think mobility is, is really key for those sort of wider wider centre-back positions. By no means writing it off, but I think he did struggle at times from a mobility perspective. He did. And the key thing for me was he lacked mobility. I used the phrase earlier, talking to a work colleague, and said bricks for feet. Um and I don't know if that was just a case of he's not played Premier League football before. So the pace of the game isn't, he's not quite up to speed with that yet. The other thing that I noticed more was he just let Pedro go a lot. It was Pedro to Matoma, Matoma to Pedro. And who else is up front? Welbeck. And those three sort of had this little triangle. And Pedro was always able to, left or right of him, just seek through no matter what. And it was almost like, the quick ones and twos that he was struggling to keep up with, like when he was up in the air, yeah, he was winning his jewels, he was winning his tackles, don't get me wrong, but they found it really easy to get round him by just simply playing it round him. Um, would Gay Bosher have done that? Was the question I asked myself earlier. Give or take, probably not. I agree in your sense. I think he's better suited in the middle of a three rather than on the right of it but it's tough to sort of make that decision when you know you've got Tom Lockyer who plays in the centre of a three and you know he is more than competent to do so. Do you make that sacrifice or do you persevere with a Mads Anderson at that position, at least while someone like a Gabe Osher or Reese Burke isn't fit enough to do so? I think that's a, a fair enough assessment. And, and Stephen, we made some changes going into sort of last few minutes last sort of passage of the game we we brought on Ogbene we brought Jacob Brown both for their first competitive minutes for the club both quick both direct both pacey um both in my eyes made it made a rather good impact can you see any of them emerging as starters um we have to say Morris and Eli have served us very well they're, they're players that will cause problems but there'll be games you'd think that that require something different and do you think Brown and, and Bene are those kind of players that, that will give us that something different? Yeah I think for a while now we've had sort of similar style of attackers we've not been I mean other than Harry Corner we've not really had like uh, someone pacey like Jacob Brown someone that's like quick and nimble like we've had like a few on loan a few youngsters but no one's been like ready to be first team and I think uh, Jacob Brown has given us are going to give us that um, sort of difference to what we've had. And I think he looked really, really good um, Saturday. And I think his pace, his confidence, I mean, both him and Ogbené, the confidence they had coming into a game, you know, coming into, you, you know, first Premier League game, our first Premier League game, um, you know, being up against, a, you know, a strong opposition, they both had confidence. They didn't look out of place at all. And... Um, Jacob Brown was, you know, tracking back, trying to, trying to win the ball back when we were chasing. So, um, and oh, oh, Benny, the confidence he had to do that little bit of skill, like in our box, you know, mm. sort of thing. Like that's sort of place where you don't want to do it, but he had the confidence to do it and pull it off, which was brilliant. And um, so, I think they're going to be really good. And I think there will be some games where they'll be better suited starting, but then there might be certain games where. It, there's not a lot in it, and if we bring those two on for say same same sort of um, substitutions that we've made on Saturday, they're going to change the game for us. And so I think their their role will more be like, especially Jacob Brown, I guess, like more be like game changers rather than starters. But there will be there there will be opposition where it will be better suited for them to start, and you know, sort of 
go at teams from the off rather than growing into a game and being able to get points later on in the game. And it's the flexibility factor as well. I think um, Rob Edwards going into this season, we didn't see too much variation on on that kind of three five two last season in, in the championship because it worked so well and there was no real reason to deviate from that. But I think this season, um, games are going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, games are going to demand different things. And I think that's what we've recruited for. We've recruited for those different kind of games that we're set to experience, which... You know, can only can only be exciting when, when you've got players like Brown and Ben A waiting on the bench. Um, yeah, and sorry, just on that, like I think with with this league as well, it's going to be more of a, a fight for survival rather than last season, where if we had something that worked, there wasn't too much need to to deviate from it. Like we we knew that we were going to be going into games as, as one of the stronger teams and in the league and whereas this season it's going to be fighting for survival and and we're going to need that that difference in in what we can do so um yeah i think both have been you know really really positive signings yeah and yeah, you sort of already saw like a chop and change didn't you sort of you look towards the end of the game brown comes on or benny comes on and edwards wasn't afraid to go all right anderson and he hooked him off to change the formation and actually try something different um and that sort of alludes to your point. At the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of times this season where we're starting with a 3-4-1-2, but by 50, 60 minutes, we could be one, two goals down, or it could even be nil-nil. And whatever we are trying just is not coming off. But Edwards has already shown one game in. He's like, well, this is why I've bought in a Jacob Brown and an Obene for that sort of position change. And he's not afraid to hook players that aren't playing well or hook players from positions that normally we're comfortable playing another formation. It's like, no, we're going to go and match you or we're going to go and try something different to actually go and win this game. Yeah, and that change of back four was interesting. I think in hindsight, it was the, it was the right move, but probably the wrong personnel. I think keeping Giles and Doughty as, as the full-backs was, was a mistake. I probably would have picked, picked Giles and shifted Bell to left-back rather than kept Giles at, at left back. Um I think defensively we were quite fair. Obviously noting that we had to go go and get a goal, but I still think we had to keep some element of defensive solidity there. So I think Anderson and Lockyer as as a as a centre half pairing probably would have been the the, the better choice. Oh, well, that's obviously in hindsight. Um but going forward with it fantastic. Brown Brown came on within the first few minutes he he won the penalty, right? I mean I think was it we we were on the right of the goal when we won a corner and there was some something going on with the home fans. We turned on and we didn't, didn't even see um, Brown come come on. And then a minute later, we get a penalty. So like he just shows the, the, the impact that he had. Um, so I think the, the flexibility to be able to do that, I think, w- w- was it we had Brown, Woodrow, Ogbene behind Morris and then Berry and was it Pelly sitting at times or Pelly in the canvas sitting? So, I mean, that that's a that, that, that's a strong front four in, in terms of Morris, Woodrow, Brown and Log Bene. Um so I think with, to be flexible and do that is is really important. And I mean, yeah, in a different world, Pelly gets rid of it, and it's two one for longer. And who knows why? Right? We were definitely in the ascendancy. Um, and I think if if it was two one for a few more minutes, we we, we may have grabbed a, an equaliser, which would have sent near amazing away and then into raptures. That, that, that I think that, that that for me was another positive of of Saturday. Like no matter what happened, the away and was singing throughout. Um, and I think it was fantastic, and we, the, the away and need to keep doing that for the next eighteen away games this season, and obviously nineteen homes. But in particular, away from home, we're going to need to be as as loud as that all season. I second that. It's it's quite easy where we've been used to winning, winning, winning. I think we had a discussion potentially on either last pod or might have been when we were in Germany, and we were sort of saying the last few years, the majority of games we've won, obviously where we've gone from non-league to Prem in 10 years, by laws of average, you have to have won most of those games, right? So we're used to that winning mentality now. And buckle up, lads, because this season, I said it after the game, I was like, if you were watching Graham Jones's Luton Town week in, week out, by God, it was a depressing nine months. Like, very, very depressing. However... You had to stick by it. You wanted to stick by it. 
We still turned up to Birmingham, knowing we're getting twatted. We turned up to Brentford, knowing we were going to get battered. It's just all these little things. Like, get it accustomed into your heads. We're going to go to Liverpool and be the underdogs. We're going to go to City and probably get beat 7-0. But then we'll end up going to Wolves or we'll end up going to Everton. Arsenal and end up point and getting a three points here and whatever else. But buckle up because, as always, it's going to be a Luton Town special roller coaster. Um, it's probably going to be worse than that stealth thing at Fort Park, to be honest with you. It's going to be a hell of a ride. Um, even worse than Saw, actually, saying that. Good analogy. But stick by the team. Those of you that can get tickets, take a ticket and bloody go. Like Support the team the whole way because that is going to be... We always say it about at home, how that's our, our thing. Oh, the fans turn up in their numbers and that's what's going to drive us forward. The same rules apply away because we outsang Brighton for 90 minutes. Hmm. I think you're lucky, Kieran, I think you're lucky that it's not a theme park because you might not meet the height criteria. To be honest, not only would I not meet the height criteria for half the rides, I'd also vomit before even step There is one one thing in life I'm scared of, and it is roller coasters, the physical kind, not the Luton Town kind. Um, so, yeah, not the one. If we can bring that intensity to every single away game, the, the way the fans were from minute one, conceding goals being on the back foot for large parts of the game I and mean, if we can remain as loud and intense as we were we will stay up I, I am sure of it if us fans can remain you know as good as we were at Brighton I've got no doubts that, that we've got mental character we've I'm sure the players will thrive off it as well and we've seen that last season when when atmosphere was good our players rose to the occasion back them every Every time to, to do that again. And, and it's on like Leeds now. Fans win your games. They will. They will. I, I'm sure of it. Not anyway. Really Molly on the score sheet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we will head into a short break. And after that, we will discuss the latest on the transfer front. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are back from our short break. And as mentioned before, we're going to talk about the transfer market. We've got a few little bits to to go on about but I think it's the best place to start it's Ross Barkley ain't nobody like Ross Barkley he'll course signed it is one that is a signing we've come to expect in the way that we didn't know anything about it um, that's probably a really weird way to say it but we've grown accustomed to over the years seeing these signings come out the blue I think it was Woodrow was it Woodrow last year that there was no... Uh, um, it was Doughty straight away, wasn't it? That Doughty. That was the first one, yeah. Doughty, and, and look at the play he turned out to be. But but those are the best kind of signings that there's no real links whatsoever. Maybe a few people on, on Twitter suggesting that it would be a good signing, but there were no credible links that I saw linking us to, to Ross Barkley, which is great to see. It is great to see that we can still, being a Premier League club, we can operate under the radar and um, what a signing it is as well. A player that Rob Edwards didn't want to say something to prove, but I think he's a player that will want to to prove himself again. Um, had difficulties after a real, and he still does have a really high ceiling. So I think Luton's a very good place for him to, to continue his development. Only, only 29 years of age as well, which is incredible to think. 
and place him in that midfield in, in games where we need that bit of quality from central areas. And that that thought in itself really excites me. Stephen, I'll come to you first about Ross Barkley. First of all, wow, where did it come from? And second of all, what, what, what do you see his kind of role being? Do you think he's going to be in time regular starter? Do you think he's going to be somebody that, that's more rotation or do we just have to wait and see how it plays out? Um, I think it will be, I, th- I think he'll end up being, if it goes well, obviously, I think he'll end up being a, um, a regular starter. Um, I think his experience, obviously, at the league is going to be, is going to be good for us. And uh, I can see Rob Edwards probably like being able to like get like some good stuff out of him, like get like the best out of him, hopefully. Um, and I think it gives like a different edge to our midfield because at the moment, um, the starting three was what was it? As um, Pelly, Nakamba, and who else was it? Chong. Chong. That's it. Chong. Um, having someone, having someone different to those three because I think they're all, they're all quite short. They're they're not as powerful. And I think like I saw. Nakamba getting overpowered quite a lot and not saying that Barkley's going to be like the defensive um, midfielder but I think having someone that can just give like a different element in the midfield um, is going to be good and going forward it's going to be like really valuable as well for us and um, yeah I think I mean when it, when it happened I was, I was just like how have, how 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 do we I can't believe like this is where we are now. Um, yeah, it's mental that we've got someone like Ross Barkley, and I think everyone else's reaction as well. I saw on social media and friends and all that. They're all saying like, "What the hell? Like, where where did this come from?" As we've said, so um, it's a Luton special, really, and I think it's going to be a, a really really good one as well, a really good signing. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah. I've likened it to the the uh, Lansbury signing. What was it two years ago when it sort of again out of the blue? Dad was had no idea it was coming, um, and relatively in terms of the experience at the level and uh, and what what I guess in hind in hindsight, okay, Lansbury wasn't a forty six game a season man, but it was definitely a, a successful transfer in terms of getting him in. What what he did for us both on and off the pitch was 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 so important. Um, and I think like Lansbury's goal at Hull, he can just do the special. And I think sometimes a Premier League squad needs a player that might not add for 38 games, which is now, obviously, I was going to say 46, but 38 games of of sort of consistency and, and solid performance. But what, what, what he can add is just that moment of magic, um, which can win games at this level. Uh you look at the players that Brighton have that they have loads of those players that have that moment of magic that that can go or, or or get an assist. So I think that that's someone that that's something that Barkley can bring to us. And if if we can get him back to even half of what what he was at Everton, I think okay, okay, his Chelsea transfer again didn't really work out in hindsight, and he's he's gone on under Villa and he was at Nice last year, which was decent. I mean, he got four goals, two assists, and nine starts. Okay, he played. Played more times than that off the bench, but nine starts so to get to get four goals and two assists is, is decent for a, a number eight, which is where he'll play in our system. Um, and I think he's, he's he's what we need. If 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 I look back or, or think back to what made him good at, Ever, at Everton, it was the ability to drive up the pitch from deep, so be able to to to, to win the ball and, and and bring up the pitch for for our, our wide men and forwards, and and also it's. It's the ones off the ball into the box. I think that there was a few goals they showed in the highlights where he sort of ran it, ran in behind the centre half, off off the striker, and, and managed to get into the box and score. So I think that's that that's two two attributes that we that we're going to need in in midfield. I think Chong is fantastic on the ball in terms of his ability, but I mean I think if there's a question mark right now, it's going to be his his ability off the ball. Um, so, so we're going to need someone like a Barkley who, off the ball, is is going to be going to be on it and has the experience at this level to be able to both track a man defensively and and man off the ball when we as a team have have the ball. Um, so he had so much experience to to us as a team. Um, agree with Stephen. I'm not sure if he's going to play every game, 
But I think even if he can, can put 15, 20 games together for us, I think he's going to add a lot to us. And Kieran Robertson, our Luton, finally about to sign a goalkeeper that's 35-plus. There's, there's links at the moment that, that Luton are in advanced talks with Norwich City goalkeeper Tim Krull, um, a player that has a lot of Premier League experience, I think over 200 games at, at top flight level in the English game. Is he the kind of player you'd like to see at Kenilworth Road? And I think when we've mentioned players like Tom Heaton and... and uh, John Ruddy as well, people that are seemingly in that kind of bracket. They add experience both on and off the pitch. Is that what you see in Tim Krull, somebody that, that's going to help in equal amounts on and off the pitch? Yeah, and he fits into sort of, again, like you said, that John Ruddy, Asmir Begovic, that sort of mold, older keeper. Been around the block a couple of times, a lot of Premier League appearances, over 200. Um, goes without saying the experience of that man will carry. Uh, plays for the Dutch national team as well. Um, so for me, it's only a positive. Again, like we've brought in Kaminsky, who is under 30, is probably going to be the number one based on his performances so far. But every good number one needs a good number two. And I think Tim Krull, again, fits that sort of mould. Obviously, recently been playing in the championship. So unlike Begovic, he's actually been actively playing, um, which is a key thing. Like he's probably looking to sort of reduce that playtime. He won't necessarily be too fussed about being number two. Um, so, yeah, for me, get him in. Again, brings out experience, GK Union, all that good stuff we've already mentioned before. You on the same wavelength there, Jamie, Tim Krull. Um, there's, there's been this um, very evident notion that we've been trying to recruit a, an older goalkeeper and us looking into it, it does look that that kind of experience factor plays a big part in, in what we're trying to do with the goalkeeping union. Do you think Krull is, is the kind of uh, goalkeeper that will come to, to Luton for that cover and competition kind of role? Um, do you think there's scope for him to, you know, displace Kaminsky as number one if he is to arrive? Yeah, the uh, the TK, TK, one and two. So, um, it's it's going to be interesting. But no, I think... Same as Kieran, really. I, I, I mean, the, the hope is you bring him in to not play that many games, right? Because the hope is that Kaminsky is good enough to A, play 38 games and B, not get injured. Um, so the hope is you bring in a number two to, to play very little. So I think it, it's more important to, to see what they're going to offer you off the pitch and in training. And I think he certainly offers loads from that perspective. As, as Kieran said, he, he he's played for the Dutch national team, so he's played with some very, very good players. Um, and he's he's, he's been in, in some very, very good training environments. Um, so he will bring loads of experience to us. Um, don't know how many appearances that he's 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 made at, made at Premier League level, but it's going to be in the hundreds. Um, so he's got a lot of experience. A bit like Jordi, so, so same again. And if you look at look at sort of City, Scott Carson, it's that's that, that same sort of mould. Um, so I mean, I think I think we we were linked with, with John Ruddy. Had a what a three quarter of a mil fee agreed. I'm not sure what's happened, what what the sort of fee is for for Tim Krull, but I'd imagine it's not going to be that that amount. So it's probably a cheaper option as well for us. Um, comes comes to us from number two at Norwich. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to be far from our best sign in the summer because it's it's a number two goalkeeper, but it is exactly what we need in in this moment. Going on to a second rumour of this week. I say this week, we're recording on Monday. So if your week starts on Sunday, then yeah, of this week. Um, but of course, it is Zach Viner, Bristol City defender, 26 years old. He's been subject to a lot of interest this summer. Um, but a lot of the reports that, that surfaced at the early stages, summer didn't really name any teams. Um, but now, according to Bristol Live, there are three clubs chasing the signature. Luton are the only Premier League club, but there's also recently relegated Southampton and Rangers all considering the, uh, I'd like to say, athletic centre-back from what I've seen of him. He's somebody that fits that mobility um, box that we're looking to recruit. Um, somebody that can play on the right side of a back three and, and with Osho and Burke prone to injuries. And it's really disappointing that they do keep picking up the, these issues uh, because I think both of them are, are more than capable of stepping up to the Premier League but Zach Viner 
could be the, the kind of player that, that comes in that, that gives us that more a little bit more consistency in terms of minutes. I'll come to you, Kieran. Zach Viner, a player we've come across a few times watching Blues versus Bristol City, a player that, that seemingly the Bristol City fans are, are very fond of. What do you think he will bring um, if he was to arrive? And, and second of all, do you think it would be a good addition considering you'd probably think that, that one more defensive addition will wrap up the the our, our defensive reinforcements? With Viner... When the rumour came out, I wouldn't wasn't going to pretend that I sort of knew a lot about him. Um, I was quite surprised with the rumour at first. However, the fact that that's the rumour that's coming out over, say, another Premier League centre-half probably suggests what's actually available to us this... I say this close to the end of the window. We've still got two and a half weeks. Um, but the fact that we're going after someone that evidently is very heavily touted by Bristol City fans, I've seen nothing but positivity. I've seen a lot of them tell us to... F off and leave leave them alone, um, which is usually a good sign with a transfer because that suggests the quality that he possesses. He's 26, playing high-end championship, and Bristol have always been that team where I've thought, I've looked at their squad and gone, yeah, they'll push this year. But the fact that, again, highly sought after, not just by us, but Saints, that's a good sign. They're a team that are trying to bounce straight back up. So if a team like Saints are after a player, Nine times out of ten, it's because they think he's good enough to propel them to that next step up. I won't speak for Rangers because Scottish football, you can't really compare. So, for me, well, it's a good sign. Taking themselves what? out of the running for him. Ooh, Rangers? Yeah. Mick, Mick uh, Beale said that they've, they've, there's no truth in the claim that they're looking at him. So well, There we go then. Either way, um, I think getting him in, when we have a couple of players that are injury-prone, Reese Burt being the biggest example always kind of has been. It gets to a certain point where Rob Edwards has to sort of ask the harsher questions of can he trust these players when they're always injured? And if a player is always injured, you lean towards no, sadly, um, eliminating any sort of sentimental value we might have for them. So if you're going to get someone who's younger, who's playing top end championship football, who's highly sought after, it only screams positive so far. And if we're looking in that direction, again, our recruitment are smart. We're not exactly stupid when it comes to that sort of thing. For me, I can only remain positive about it so far. Yeah, I think that's that's certainly fair enough. One more question before we wrap up tonight's pod. It's a question that's been fired over to us on Twitter by Jason. He has posed a question, who do we use our final loan on and what position do we target? Um, it's a difficult question because we still don't know if we'll use that for that final slot, let alone what positions we are prioritising at this stage. Jamie Castle, I'll come to you first. Where, I guess the first part of that question is where do you think our um, final loan um, spot will be used? What position? And then the second part, is there any player out there at the moment that you think would fit that bill? I mean, I think in terms of a position answer, I think it's a no-brainer at centre half. Um, I think you, you got you've got you've got to use your two loan signings on players that are going to play twenty-five plus games this season, subject to injuries, etc. Um, I think if you look at our squad right now, I think in terms of the areas that we need to that we need to strengthen is is goalkeeper, but. Uh, Unless they're gonna gonna sort of displace Kaminsky, they're not gonna not gonna start. So there's no point using uh, your loan slot on a keeper. Um, for me, a centre half, but I think a centre half can start, which is which obviously my answer. Um, and probably for me, a defensive mid, sort of as a backup slash rotation option to, to Nakamba. Um, and again, unless they're gonna displace Nakamba for that for that starting starting shirt, then you probably shouldn't use a loan slot on on a player like that. So for me, centre half. So it's got to be a right of a three and a half in, in terms of names. I mean, thinking back to, to links, obviously Tanganga is an option. He's, he's still at Spurs, doesn't seem to be getting games. Um, whether or not we can we can do a, well, I guess what seemingly right now, the, the loan to option to buy sort of thing is is, is very, very uh, common right now. So, so maybe that's an option. Um, beyond that, not, I'm not really sure. And I mean, I think it's got to be someone of a calibre that we can't afford on a permanent 
Tanganga obviously fits that mould. He's probably going to cost upwards of ten million. Where we probably don't want to spend a fee like that. Um, I'm I'm sure there's there's loads of loads of centre halves both in the UK and and on the continent. Don't forget. I mean, we're not just limited to to, to English based players. It's right that, that there's going to be a list of centre halves out in Europe that want want either game time or chance at the Premier League. So if we can negotiate smartly a, a loan deal that gives us some sort of option to buy on those that that, that would be amazing um i know obviously there was moments of Ghent, so who knows what's what, what's coming out with that but yeah i think for me in terms of a loan a loan slot absolute no-brainer it's got to be a centre half i think that categorically will be a transfer that decides how we got this season i think if burke and usher are out for the long haul and anson's got to play there for 38 games um with with no real backup to hit to him as well, I think we we might struggle. So I think we need to get we need to get that centre half transfer right. Um, it's going to be so important. So if if we can use our loan slot to get a a, a player that's going to come in and be top top three top five players in our squad, then we we just have to do it. And Stephen, same question to you. Starting with what position you feel you'd want to strengthen with that last remaining loan spot and are there any players that that might sort of fit the bill compared uh, considering what your your thoughts are um i mean well i agree with jamie it's definitely uh center half like um obviously we've spoken about the injuries spoken about like you know can, can we trust them like with the osho and uh Berg, like with, with their injuries um I don't think there's a lot more that I can add to it. Like I think I was thinking after watching the the um, the first Brighton goal on Saturday, um, it was Bell that that missed the man, and I was thinking like I know that he's he's done really really well as a as a centre half, but I sometimes I think he just lacks that um, sort of natural defensive and um, mind or natural like center half like mind to to really like stop those sorts of goals from happening and it's uh, the only person that i could think of the only only name that actually came came to me like for that sort of position was um axel twanzebe but he's uh being released by man united so i, I haven't got someone for it but i would say someone that is of that age or even even a bit younger because he's 25 and younger from a you know a bit like um Kabore coming from a, a, a top end Premier League club and someone that can add a lot of quality but a lot of um a lot of like I don't know what the word would be um just a lot of fight I guess like because they're the young they, they've got something to prove and I think that's what I would look for, but at the same time, I'm sure most clubs are looking for someone like that. So I, you know, I'm not a scout. I don't know what will be available, really. But you never know. We might get to the uh, last few days of the window or the last day of the window, and there might be something that just comes up as there usually is. So there might be something that we can, someone that we can bring in that does fit that sort of bill, um, that isn't going to get the game time that they they think they should have. So. Um, yeah, uh, not much else to add on that. I wonder how much. And it would be typical. Um, sorry, Bill. I wonder how much Cresswell at Leeds costs. I mean, you, you sort of think about how he how he played at Millwall last season. He's starting at Leeds now. I wonder how much Leeds would let him go for. I mean, even even alone, right? I mean, you've, there's examples of Leeds loaning players to the Premier League. I mean, Harrison signed for Everton today on a loan, so. That could be an interesting one, and and if we could get him right over three, I think that that would be a, a, a fantastic sign. Jamie Kieran's going to be fuming here because he he's got a couple names in mind. He's had to wait till last. So if you've just nicked, <laughs> you've just nicked one. Of his, I'm sure I'll be fuming. Kieran, come to you. Yeah. So before this question started, I had one name, and the bugger above me did steal <laughs> the name that was in my head. However, thank you, Stephen, for inspiring me with your answer because I now have 
three names I would like to throw at you instead of one. To answer the left-sided centre-half quota that Stephen gave us, a name still sticks out to me that I wish we'd loaned him last year. Um, and I know a lot of COV fans were a bit um and ahhing about him, but I would still take him. Jonathan Panzo, obviously permanently at Nottingham Forest. Left side centre half, still quite young, but imposing. Six foot two, left footed, comes out, drives from the defence, hits the Luton Bill, to be honest. And then again, like you've got Bell for depth, whether it be out on the left. If you want to, like Jamie said, go for the four and chuck him out there, or even at left side centre half. I thought of two other right-sided centre-halves while Jamie was talking as well that lacking game time at their parent clubs but have played Premier League football, um, both local to Luton as well, so they wouldn't have to relocate or move very far. I'm going to present you two names. I'm going to go Nathan Ferguson from Crystal Palace and I'm going to go Ben Johnson from West Ham. Two names that have both played Premier League football Initially, both sort of like right-back, centre-back hybrid type players, but in a three, they'd happily play centre-half. Ben Johnson's out of the team at West Ham. There was a stint where he was in the team. He's out of it now. Nathan Ferguson, bought from West Brom, never really got in Palace's side, quite honestly. Both names, I think, if you were to knock on the doors and say, we'll give you X amount and promise them first-team football, neither of them are turning it down. And like I said, they won't have to relocate very far, even if it's a year loan or loan with option to buy on either of them, both under 25 as well. And Panzo also fits that under 25 bill. But like I said, still have that experience of playing in the Premier League. Yeah, I can see that. I want a quick show of, well, nod of heads or cross crossing of heads. Um, with my one, Taylor Harwood-Bellis. And I've still, I don't know if he's attainable still. I still don't know if he's somebody, I think he fits what Jamie was trying to say, where he'd probably be outright too expensive. But is he somebody that that could come in on loan with a potential to, I don't know, I actually I don't think he'd be attainable to, to sign permanently because I think the figure would be too much. But I think there's a lot of clubs that have looked at him but have since... Um, moved on in their search and I think that's where Luton can come in with there's a sort of a profile of player that if clubs that have probably got a, a better pulling power than we do if they move on from their search that's where a club like Luton can come in and I think he is that kind of player that, that Man City might not panic but want to get him out to, to a Premier League club and that's where someone like us could could be standing waiting if we are patient I think the answer to that, unfortunately, is a technical no because we can't because he's Man City and we got Kabore. Uh wasted my voice. So, <laughs> as, I think in terms of a player, spot on would would love him, um, but I think it's got to be a permanent if we were to get him, which I think, as you say, is going to be out of our price bracket, unfortunately. Can we give Kabore back? <laughs> no, 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 no chance. Yeah, yeah. no, I take that back very quickly yeah. now because yeah. I do love Kabore already, and he's my my pick for signing of the season in our prediction. So yeah, please. <laughs> that, that was stupid. That was very <laughs> stupid. On that note, a big thank you to you three for joining today. A big thank you to everybody that has watched and listened either on YouTube or wherever you stream our uh, podcast version of, of the podcast from. Um, of course, we have been trying to make big strides on different social platforms at the moment, uh, namely TikTok has, has been brilliant. Um, a lot of love and support on there. A lot of Watford fans also uh, commenting on a recent post that we might put up. Um, but yeah, for all the love that's been shown on TikTok, YouTube, continued support on, on Instagram and Twitter. Big thank you to, to everyone. And if you don't follow us on any other platforms at the moment, of course, we are oak road hatter bar on instagram where we are oak road hatter pod but until next week where we take a closer look at chelsea as we preview our second premier league fixture of the season it is goodbye for now
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.